You're listening to When the Night Falls from Night's Journey of Dreams, released December 18th, 2007, composed by Tomoko Sasaki and Naofumi Hitaya. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week. He's a little sick, but he's sounding better. It's Frank. Hey, guys. Feeling better, right? A little better. Not terrible. Oh, jeez. Real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to <laughs> Apple Podcasts or whichever app that you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review on there to help our visibility in terms of search results so that our show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. You can find what we're trying to do over there, our tiers. If you want to toss us some support each month, that's awesome. We'd be super appreciative, but you don't have to. You can just keep on listening each and every week. That's okay. Frank, you mentioned terrible. You, sir, have, since we last recorded, had two episodes of your brand new podcast, Terrible, a horrible, no good, very bad podcast post on hopefully wherever you can find podcasts now. I don't know if it's up everywhere yet. I've seen it in most places. Uh, It's right. You get Frank three days a week. Wall to wall Frank. Yeah, nobody. I don't think anybody asked for that, but somehow that's what they're getting. I don't give you what you want. I give you what you need. Are you on um, Are you on Apple yet? Did it populate on there yet? I, it's probably the one place I haven't checked because I don't have any Apple devices hooked up. Because um, I submitted it everywhere, but certain places obviously approve podcasts faster than others. Um, oh boy, if you hear my podcast, you know it's probably not going to get approved for like months. <laughs> so I was going to say, if you haven't listened to Frank's podcast, you should go check it out. It is a show about everything terrible or things that you find terrible. Oh, yes. Everything in that show is my opinion. It does not reflect RPG era. Well, it might, no. but it doesn't. A- absolutely not. <laughs> uh, and I make that disclaimer very clear every episode. <laughs> Just so you know, please don't sue me. <laughs> Oh, it is a fun show, though, but it's a short form podcast, so it only takes less than 10 minutes each episode. Um, Shouldn't be too long, and it should be pretty comedic each and every week. I think that's what I listed it under was comedy, potentially. That's where I'm going for. I I joke along. Uh, I think my longest recording is eight minutes from wall to wall. So, you know, yeah, it's not too time for me. Subscribe five stars and give me your money. Patreon.com. Go check it out. Frank, we're doing something fun today. We are talking about Hub Worlds, 
And coming into this, a hub world kind of, I mean, you have a vision in your mind what a hub world is. That's sort of what we went for. It's an area that is sometimes big and open, sometimes tiny and just full of doors. Kind of like an evolved level select screen. Yeah, kind of like if, if, if like the old Mega Man, like level select screen, as you said were turned into a environment and you got to walk around and jump into a painting a la Mario 64. You know what I mean? <laughs> Peach's Castle is a great hub world. One of my favorite in, in, in entire video games. Unfortunately but, uh, picked already because trust me, it was my first pick. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's where I was well, getting at. Coming, se- coming se- into... Se- second, pick, second pick to be quite honest. I'll talk about my first pick later. <laughs> coming into this, I knew we had played a lot of hub world music on this podcast in the past. So we do have some some big heavy hitters that we've still yet to kind of showcase here on the show. But we do have a lot of... No, um, from Frank, randomness as well. <laughs> I dug around. I, I tried to get from everywhere, anywhere, and trust me, I found anywhere. Yeah, you found some crazy stuff, man, and I'm looking forward to listening to it because, again, uh, I'm trying to think. I've heard one, two, two. I think two of your tracks. So most of these are going to be new to me, which is kind of cool. But the first track that we opened up with was my first choice of the episode. And it comes from Night's Journey into Dream, or I'm sorry, Journey of Dreams, not Journey into Dreams. That was the uh, Sega CD one. This was the uh, Nintendo Wii one that released in like 2007. Uh, The name of it was When the Night Falls. And I like how like peaceful it actually is for this area because the hub world in Nights into Dreams or Nights of Dreams damn it what I keep saying Nights into Dreams Journey of Dreams I don't know why I have Nights into Dreams (laughs) I don't know why I have uh have nights into dreams so ingrained in my mind right now but the dream gate area from journey of dreams is this kind of small there's uh seven six or seven doors kind of in a line off it's like a garden setup and it's just like a little peaceful area there's a fountain in the middle there's i think some benches if i'm remembering correctly uh, and you have this like backdrop of the sky and it's not a giant area, but it's super calm looking, super peaceful. And I think they nail it with this track. And it's kind of cool because the entire soundtrack, we've played several tracks from Nights into Dreams and Journey of Dreams, both games. They had that Christmas version, actually, for yes, Christmas Nights into that. Dreams that we've played a couple tracks from here on previous holiday episodes. All of the music sounds very similar to this. It's very... Is the bubbly? word airy? I was going to say airy. Eh, bubbles are made of air, so there you go. I guess it could be bubbly too, or like... The whole ba da ba da ba She's kind of like scatting like, and singing. Like, Yeah, that is really cool. The vocals are sick. Um, and I don't know who's doing them. But it almost gives off like an underwater impression. I, 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 dream- I get that from this. I don't know. It's dreamlike. It really is. It's so, ethereal. Yeah. it's It's really pretty... I've always been drawn to this game. I've always been drawn to the music. I think that's, I think I'm fairly certain I always pick from this. I don't think you've ever picked from Knights. Anything we have on our spreadsheet, I'm fairly certain has come from me if it's from the series. I love this game and I wish that they would do a modern one, but you know, they never will because the Wonder Wonderworld failed so bad 
I don't think they're ever going to take another shot at doing something offbeat again outside of Sonic. And I mean, the guy who created Knights and who created Balan Wonderworld and who created Sonic doesn't even work for them anymore. So we'll probably never see another one of these games. And that's unfortunate because I did like it. You never know. You never, never know. It's true. We did get Shenmue 3 when we never thought we would. And Shenmue 4 is in the works. You know, I hope it is. I probably would cry tears of joy once again if it gets announced. I want to see that story to conclusion. I really, really do. I wish there was a hub world in Shenmue. There's not. There's not. The, the closest you could say to a hub world in the Shenmue, street? I was going to say, would be the street. Yeah, because of all like the shops you can go into and because the street connects to your neighborhood area and then the, the docks where you work. So I guess the street is the closest thing to a hub, but it's not a hub world. I kind of wanted to pick from Resident Evil Village because figure I figured the village itself is the, the village hub world, is kind of a hub world, but again, but, but there's really no the, there's really no music that that works. So. Yeah, not what we were really going for. However, Frank, you do have three tracks here that we're about to kick to in your opening block that do fit what we were going for. I'm I'm excited about one of these. And it's the one we're kicking things off with. I don't know that you're the middle <laughs> one. I have no idea. And then I'm scared about your last track. Let's check these oh, out. Yeah. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gilly Island Hub from New Super Lucky's Tale, released November 8th, 2019, composed by Aaron Brown. Listening to Hub World from Cheesy, released in November 1996, composed by Dave Newman and James Veal.
listening to Backyard from Rugrats Search for Reptar, released October 31st, 1998, composed by Mark Mothersbaugh. And coming back in, we had Gilly Island Hub from New Super Lucky's Tale. I'm glad you actually chose this because New Super Lucky's Tale is a game. Well, I actually played the original Super Lucky's Tale, which came out a couple years prior, and then New Super Lucky's Tale released like on the Switch, I think, first in Switch. 2019, and then it hit everywhere else, like PC, Xbox, etc. I don't know if it ever came out on PlayStation, but PC, Xbox. Um, the following year, but it was just an expanded version of Super Lucky's Tale that I still haven't gotten around to playing. I know there's like new content that I would probably enjoy, but I already finished the original game, so I I have just... it installed on my Switch, and I have you should yet play to it. Start it. I mean, it's even on Game Pass. I mean, it's a Microsoft game. I, I, I literally already have it though, so it's no no point. In, oh, why not? Probably runs play better it. on the Xbox. I was gonna say probably be better to play it on the HDTV. Probably runs better on the <laughs> Xbox too. <laughs> But it's very much a love letter to a lot of, you know, games that we're going to hear music from today. Banjo-Kazooie, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Mario 64. It's a classic 3D collectathon. I mean, it was a great love letter and a super fun throwback. I really enjoyed the game. And I like this track, man. I do. Yeah, little light EDM. Yeah. You said you were getting into EDM more lately, huh? Uh, more so for research purposes. And oh, yeah? It's, and it really kicks when you're high. Um, it does. It does. <laughs> It was a little unfortunate that um, Super Lucky's Tale didn't go over so well critically, and I think that's probably why we haven't seen another one since. Um, you know, it was a Microsoft published game. The uh, the studio that did it was Playful. I think, I think they're an indie studio. I don't think they're owned by Microsoft. 
Um, but I think they worked on like Halo Wars for Microsoft and have done other things for them. So there might be some sort of deeper relationship there. We may see a sequel to this in the future. I think that'd be really cool if we did. It is a genre, much like the kart racers that we talked about previously, that Microsoft kind of lacks on their consoles right now. And it's a genre that we freaking love. Like, the most Absolutely. fun I've had recently playing a video game was Ratchet & Clank. Which is up for a Game of the Year nomination at the official Game Awards, if you saw. I still think that it's a big snub to Rainbow Billy, the Curse of the Leviathan, but, you know, that game really never had a chance. Yeah, I never really stood a chance once it was released. But we did do a Patreon bonus episode on the soundtrack if you want to go check it out. And we have another one coming up. I think next week we have a Patreon bonus episode going up on uh, another. It's funny how that works. Game of the Year nominee, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's almost like we knew. Almost. We're like like game oracles. Like we knew. Not really. I wish we knew. (laughs) Jeff, come on, man. When are we going to get our invite to the Game Awards? Never. Uh, Your middle track. Your middle track comes from a game that you're going to have to explain to me because... I've not heard of it, and I think that's because it didn't release in North America. I don't think it did, to be quite honest. Uh, it's it was an Ocean Software game. If you I don't know if you, if you remember Ocean Software, they're pretty much known for all those NES and Super Nintendo licensed games like uh, RoboCop and Hook. And all yeah, I remember t- the logo too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is actually one of their original games, and the hub world itself used clunky tank controls to, to go where you're going. This is a platformer. A platformer with like it's, it's it makes no sense whatsoever to have tank controls on a platformer. Um, I've never played it. I don't. I really don't think it was ever in the U.S. I was just looking for offbeat, weird hub world themes, and yeah, watch watching some play of this game. It doesn't look all that fun. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, it only ever released in Europe in November of '96, and then Japan got it in July of '97. It wasn't rated terrible, which is crazy. Uh, Consoles Plus gave it an 85%. Joypad gave it an 84%. Player One gave it a 75%. Then you have Video Games at a 35%. And Megafun at a 42%. So you have three pretty positive reviews and two not so positive. Well, obviously three of those people got paid. (laughs) It says it started out as as an Atari Jaguar game announced back in 94. Wow. It was originally supposed to be released in the fourth quarter of 95. But the game got moved to the PlayStation after the Jaguar was a commercial and critical failure. Very cool. Well, I don't know, cool, but... Wow, it first first made its debut at E3 1996, huh? Look at that. E3. Shout out. Really. How, about that last, how about that last track, Brian? Tell me I didn't kick. Well, I remember vividly that track. Uh, this game sucked, dude. Going back and looking back, this game was not a fun game. But we played the hell out of it. The, the music is not good. But I played the crap out of this game when I got it Christmas Eve in 1998. It came out October 31st, came out on Halloween. They're like, trick or treat. And they're like, oh, trick, this game sucks. Halloween, here you go. (laughs) And my grandma, this was, I've told this many stories before, how she always spoiled me on Christmas and I would get multiple video games from her on Christmas Eve. That's we always open the gifts over there. And then we'd go back on Christmas Day and open gifts at our house. Um, That Christmas Eve... Rugrats Search for Reptar was one of my Christmas gifts that I had asked for. I think it was in the catalog that I circled the, I think it's JCPenney's, the catalog we used to get. I love that my nieces do that nowadays. Like, they circle things in the catalog. I love that it's still still going along. Yeah, that is kind of cool. But I always just used to circle a ton of games, and she would get a majority of them, and this was one of them. 
I played this, I started it, and I may have told this story before. I think you may have played something from this game before. Yes, I have. It was probably the worst track I ever played on BG Mania. Then I've played, then I've told this story before, but I got, because it's the same story I tell about this game every time. I got home that Christmas Eve night, I started playing it, and I played it straight through in my bedroom, and I finished it by 4 a.m. I went out, laid on the couch, and watched freaking Mickey Mouse Christmas cartoons until my grandma got there at like 6 in the morning to open gifts. I finished this. It, it's not a long game. It probably took me longer than I needed to because I wasn't, you know, that good at it. I got this for Christmas along with the PlayStation itself. Uh, I didn't ask for this game, though. Uh, I have three younger sisters. I got um, WWF SmackDown, I think, one and two. Like, no, like no, no, ignore your role and shut your mouth, I think. I got those, Cool Waters, and this game. Uh, and those other three games got played a whole lot more than this one. But I still played it. I mean, it was one of the four games I had to start. That's really sad. My mom wanted to get something that the girls would play, so. <laughs> there were better games for them. Thank thankfully, they like to play Cool Borders and, and SmackDown with me, so not, they're not all that bad. There, there were better games for them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there were. <laughs> so, no more Rugrats Search for Reptar. That's gotta be no, it now. I, I promise I will not play from that particular Nicktoon ever again. But maybe, maybe yeah, I might have another Nicktoon coming up. You never know. You never know with old Frank. But let's uh, let's cleanse our palate after that Rugrats track. Let's listen to three really excellent tracks from three really great Hope Worlds. We'll be right back. You're listening to Isle of Hags from Banjo Tooie, released November twentieth, two thousand, composed by Grant Kirkhope. <laughs> Thank you. 
You're listening to Sandover Village from Jack and Daxter, The Precursor Legacy, released December 3rd, 2001, composed by Josh Mansell.
You're listening to Hunter's Dream from Bloodborne, released March 24th, 2015, composed by Ryan Amon. And coming back in with a classic from Banjo Tooie, Isle Hags. Frank, I'm so glad we haven't played this. I obviously wanted to pick Gruntilda's Lair from Banjo Kazooie because it's one of my favorite hub worlds in any game, but it's also one of the first tracks I think we played in BG Mania for Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime we get Grant Kirkhope on the episode, it's a win. Yeah, and we're going to hear him again later on, too. I, I have double the Grant this episode. But much like the, you know, Gruntilda's lair with the, the hub world in Banjo-Kazooie, 
Isla Hags was what Banjo-Kazooie was, but it was blown up. Like, it was so much more, I don't want to say open, because it wasn't, but to me, as a, how old was I in 2000? Well, I was 14, duh. So, <laughs> it's really easy to figure out when you, when you say it out loud, I guess. As a 14-year-old, I thought this game was massive, dude. Like, I'm thinking Witcher 3 back in 2000. Like, that's what I felt like playing Banjo-Tooie. And the hub world, the Isle of Hags, it has so many different areas, dude. It was littered with so much to do just in a hub world. And if is, you remember, there her, were like 20-some levels or something. Isn't her lair on Isle of Hags, though? Like, technically? Technically. Yeah, technically. But the Isle of Hags is a much bigger area than just the lair. Because there's so much other stuff there, too. Like I said, it jumps off to everywhere else. But I love this track, man. Grant obviously knocked the entire soundtrack out of the park for Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. Just getting to listen to this again. Oh, dude, it just brings back so many memories, so many smiles. I love this piece of music. I always love the whole carnival nature of this uh, of Banjo-Kazooie. Like, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and you just instantly know that you're listening to Banjo-Kazooie franchise music, whether it's from Kazooie, whether it's from Tui, whether it's from Nuts and Bolts, because it does sound somewhat similar. Um, you just can always tell that it's Banjo-Kazooie, and you can generally always tell when it's Grant Kirkhope as well. I love that about him. You don't even have to know. You just, oh, oh, this is Grant Kirkhope. I can just tell. I love that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I he's, got such a, he's, he's got such a, such a unique sound. It's so cool. Our, or not our, my middle track there in that block was Sandover Village from Jack and Daxter. This is the original, the Precursor Legacy, which came out back in 2001. This composed by Josh Mansell. I, first of all, love the drums and the tropical. entire, it's very tropical. You've got the oh, maracas in the background going yes. consistently throughout. I love that. Uh, but if you remember, if you if you remember, damn, it's hard to talk when it gets late. If you remember, Sandover Village was such a cool area. And for Sony, they didn't really, outside of like Crash Bandicoot, right? Maybe Spyro, but that wasn't Sony published. It was Sony exclusive for a bit, but it wasn't Sony published. Sony didn't really have any outside of Crash games, unless I'm forgetting, that were super popular that had memorable hub worlds until Jack and Daxter. Yeah, I can't think of any offhand. This 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 actually, like, this is one of those games that personifies PS2 to me. I think for a lot of people, that is similar. Like It was, li it was literally my first game. Well, you think Jack and Daxter, you think Ratchet and Clank, and you think Sly Cooper for Sony when it comes yeah. to PS2. You don't think Crash Bandicoot for PS2, that was PS1. You don't think Spyro for PS2, again, that was PS1, and it really wasn't even Sony. So, and then when you think PS3, what do you think? You think Uncharted, you think The Last of Us. You don't think anything else, because that's not what those platforms were defined by. But the PS2 was absolutely defined by Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, and Ratchet and Clank. I seriously wish we would get a new entry for Jack and Daxter. I know there's been rumors. I know there's been, you know, some some stuff floating around that maybe we will one day. I hope we do, dude. Because this is long overdue. Long, long overdue. It is long overdue. And I and I don't even think 
and they're, it's, they're they're interesting they're interesting characters like you could do so much you can make another you can make like a tv show out of this as well like earthworm jim which is probably going to get us a new, a new uh, game soon yeah did you see that they're doing a uh, animated tv show that's really cool oh it, it set my heart a flutter um obviously sony is still committed to platformers because of the success of Ratchet and Clank this year and, you know, the craziness of Insomniac Games and their ability to pump out multiple AAA Game of the Year contender games. Per, I don't know how they do it. I Insomniac needs to share their secrets with others because... No, they don't. Keep your se- keep your secrets, okay? No, Just- no, no, Frank, because if more people could publish games at the speed and quality that they do... The gaming industry as a whole would be way better off, and we'd get to play way more games way more often. There's a reason why we're not going to see Elder Scrolls Six until 2027 now. They just literally talked about that last week. That that game is still five to six years off. I'm never going to see that game in my lifetime, ever. I mean, I don't think that you will die before six. I'm definitely going to die before seven. <laughs> but with our, with our age and how we're getting up there... There is a chance we pass away before seven. Isn't that crazy to think about? Oh man, that's so crazy to think about. Um, Just don't let any kaji at my at my funeral, okay? <laughs> I know you're not a fan of the kajit. I steal. I hope that we get a new Jack and Dexter because, like I was getting at there before we got off on a little bit of a side tangent, it doesn't even need to be developed by Naughty Dog. Like they don't necessarily need to stop what they're doing. This is something that Sony could give to a smaller team, um, you know, that could provide the the love and tenderness and care, like maybe a team that team Ninja. is fond of the game or something. I don't know that uh, I don't know that Team Ninja would be the best choice. Jack and Dexter, you know, going against Val Robin. <laughs> no, let's just let them focus on Hellblade Two, so they can get that out. Which apparently it's not even coming in 2022. I guess that game is <sighs> still coming. That game's still a couple years off. They, they, they can take their time because that last one was a masterpiece. It was. It was a really good game. Speaking of masterpieces, let's talk about my last track of that block. Because if you're talking modern masterpieces in terms of video games, you can't not mention Bloodborne. Still to this day, my favorite From Software Souls-like game. Hopefully Elden Ring can take that spot when it comes out. But I don't know. The gameplay looks good. I didn't get into the technical alpha. I wasn't invited. I asked. I didn't get invited. <laughs> I wanted to play. I you wasn't allowed. Bastards. I wasn't allowed. Um, I love Bloodborne. Obviously. I've played through it a few different times. I'm kind of getting the itch to want to play through it again. Um, I sort of wish it would get re-released. I don't need it remastered or enhanced again. I don't need a game that came out in um, 2015 to get a, you know, like a Skyrim treatment. I don't need a definitive edition or a anniversary edition or anything like that. I just would like to see the game natively on PS5 with like maybe even smoother frame rates. You know what I mean? Just because it's running on more powerful hardware and taking advantage of it as opposed to just being the PS4 version on the PS5. Well, wasn't Be- there like, wasn't there rumors like Bluepoint was going to do it? Um, I, there were, uh, there, there were obviously rumors of a Bloodborne 2 and there continues to still float around being rumors of Bloodborne 2. I thought Bluepoint's rumors were Metal Gear Solid related, not Bloodborne related. And I think they still might be tied. To, I, I could have sworn I read that recently. Um, I mean, it's it's possible. I don't know. I mean, Blue Point's an incredible studio, but again, Bloodborne is only six years old. That's not something that Blue uh, Blue Point needs to 
completely redo because it doesn't need it. It's just, again, a native PS5 version that maybe if, you know, from software or a small team were able to, like, maybe put in some DualSense stuff to take advantage of because the DualSense is such a more unique and cool controller than the uh, the DualShock 4 was. I could think of some pretty cool things that they could utilize the uh, the haptic feedback and the uh, adaptive triggers and stuff in Bloodborne. Talking the hub world specifically for Bloodborne, you'll notice the absence on the show today of the tower from Destiny. And Frank and I talked about the tower last week when we mentioned to each other what this week's episode theme was going to be and concluded that the tower theoretically would count. It is a hub world. And much in the same way, Bloodborne has the Hunter's Dream, which is like their tower, more or less, um, except it's not, you know, online. You're not seeing other players. It's not, it's, 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 not a, it's not a social hub. But it kind of is, though, because you see other, like, ghosts and, you know what I mean? Like, other players entities and that kind of stuff within the game and much like dark souls much like sekiro much like from software games you can call other players into your game to help you defeat bosses and that kind of stuff utilizing the marks on the ground so this kind of is sort of like a like a social hub and it exists where you know this this will always be the place you go uh after you die the first time like you'll always be sent to the hunter's dream you can't get there anyway anyway else so if you never die like if you do a a perfect run you would never see this area you would and I, i'm sure there's people that's done that i've never looked that up but you get here by dying and once you're there, it operates as this area where you can upgrade your equipment. Obviously, you can go to the different um, chalice challenges that they have, which are, again, kind of like a social thing that they do. Um, there are individual lanterns, much like Dark Souls throughout that you find, and the lanterns are, you know, they're bonf- uh, bonfires in Dark Souls, but they act as your fast travel points and save points and when you touch one all the enemies respawn in the hunter's dream you can go from that lantern to anywhere else in the world so it's the only way to kind of fast travel from like one side you got to go back to the hunter's dream to go then elsewhere else so it kind of all connects to this dream and it makes sense story-wise why that is as you play the game it's really cool i love this game and I, I think really you do, do hope they do. I need you, I need you to do a perfect run. I could never. I'm not that good at. The, I'm good at from software games. I can get through them, not easily. I do love the challenge, and they are very challenging for me. But I am able to get through them. There isn't one that I've not been able to finish yet. Sekiro was the hardest one for me so far, but I did finish it. Um, I just really hope Elden Ring is good in February, man. I'm so looking forward to it. That gameplay that came out last week just it blew my mind that game looks so good i can't wait to play it it's george R. R. martin it's going to be great speaking of great though the vocals in that hunter's dream track once they start man it's just chills it's just goosebumps all up and down my arm all up and down my body i love it so much yeah that was a good one i got a great one coming up next oh boy do you oh yeah i'm gonna start this block up with a another nick tune so i've already won all right let's check these out we'll play three from frank this is frank's last block before his closeout track so let's take a listen to these three we'll be right back after this 
You're listening to Silverstone Coast from TAC, The Great Juju Challenge. Released September 19th, 2005. Composer Unknown. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. You're listening to Hub World Cool from Robot 64, released October 15th, 2017, composed by Z. Kevin.
You're listening to Hub World, otherwise known as Lobby Theme, from Jump Force, released February 15th, 2019, composed by Takanori Arima, Zach Zinger, Chad Cedar, Alex Ruger, and Jerome Leroy. with Silverstone Coast from Tech, the Great Juju Challenge. I was unfortunately not able to find a composer for this track. I checked multiple different places. I checked a long play. There was no one listed as sound, music, audio, nothing. Like, there was a ton of names just listed under the developer. So 
I'm not going to read all of those names. Um, it's one of those a, names. A, a, after Rugrats, I don't think anybody wants to put their name on a Nicktoons game. Um, <laughs> well, they're all on there, but they're they're just listed under like the studio that made the game, but doesn't tell you what the individual people did, which is kind of messed up. But but, but, but I like this one. This this had a nice island uh, vibe to it. I remember Tack was on air for like two years. It's not a show that I ever watched on Nick, uh, Nickelodeon. It, and it's, it's after our time, but I do remember it being on. Like it was in my periphery because I have younger sisters. Yeah, I I know it's after our time for sure, but. When you said you were picking two Nickelodeon tracks, when I initially looked at the list tonight, because I didn't pre-look at your tracks even, like I didn't do anything before we sat down to do this tonight outside of pick my tracks, um, I didn't even realize that this was the other Nicktoons game that you picked, because I had forgotten that this was even a property of theirs. Um, obviously not a popular one, like I said, it didn't last too long, but I like it. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the island sound anyway. I, I loved your Jack and Daxter pick. I love this one. I really liked about a minute into this track when, oh, when it kicks. Yeah, it kicked in like you had the uh, the uh, the actual bass drum and the snare drum kick in and the uh, the bass guitar in the background. I loved it from that moment on. It was good before that. It was kind of like, you know, you could tell it was building up and I was waiting for something. And then when I got that payoff, I was very pleased. I've not heard this track. Again, not familiar with this game. I mean, I'm familiar with the game, but I've never played it. Um, not really familiar with the IP. I'm familiar with my friend Tech that I used to raid in World of Warcraft with, <laughs> who's in our Discord server. <laughs> Shout out to him if he's listening. Yo, what up, my Pandarian brother? Um, yeah, he was he was our uh, he was our brewmaster monk for a few expansions, and then he went paladin when I went bear. Him and I were the two tanks, so we we swapped around a bit, and then I went demon hunter, and he went. That, well, I went Demon Hunter when he was Paladin. When I was, my, my Druid Bear was when he was on his Monk. Um, yeah, we always, we would just swap around, but it was always him and I as the two tanks. It was a lot of fun. Don't Rest miss the game, Rest in peace, though. Blizzard. Rest in peace, Activision Blizzard. Not just Blizzard. Activision Blizzard. You saw the stories, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Freaking Microsoft and Sony talking about pulling, well, not pulling, but reevaluating, reevaluating their relationship with Activision Blizzard based on all of the allegations that have continued to surface. We've talked about it extensively on the Max Level podcast. We covered it for three weeks straight when it was going down a couple months ago. Kyle and I just actually did an update a few weeks ago when they announced Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 were delayed indefinitely. And lo and behold, another week, another Activision Blizzard story, because now, you know, we have reports from people like Jason Schreier and those that you know you can trust that Bobby Kotick is as big of a dirtbag as we all knew he was and knew all this was going on in the first place. So Brian, I'm that's fairly terrible. certain. I'm fairly certain. Bobby Kotick should be a topic for terrible. If you literally research Bobby Kotick, you would find a half hour's worth of material for terrible. The clicking you hear is me penciling him for a future episode. <laughs> yes. Bobby Kotick is a fantastic theme for terrible because <laughs> he is a terrible person. But, uh... Yeah, I don't know that Activision Blizzard, I mean, you know, Kyle and I just talked about a few weeks ago on the Max level about how we thought they would be restructuring Blizzard into something new. Now I just don't know if Activision Blizzard is going to survive at all. Like They're going to get they're going to get bought out for their catalog. Watch. It's so crazy. It's so crazy, man. They might have to start selling off properties and shit. That's nuts. That's so nuts. But, you know, you reap what you sow. Your middle track 
is also kind of interesting. This is not a physical game. This is a game that exists within Roblox. I, I told you I like to go wacky. So yeah, I found something within Roblox. Uh, this is uh, the hub world from Robot 64. Definitely, definitely has that old like Super Mario Brothers kind of sound to it. Um, Yes, sort of like the maybe Super Nintendo era Mario. Um, some of the, the sound effects in the background kind of remind me of Mario Paint. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have been getting more familiar with Roblox since I moved in with Justin, friend of the show. You know, I've known him for 20 years, my best friend, outside of Frank and Kyle and Sean and Dan and everybody else. You could have stopped um, that, Frank. I could have, but I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh his youngest son mostly all he plays is roblox and it's that age it's an age group man my friend's daughter it is, is like it. like seven seven to nine or seven to ten or whatever all they do is play roblox my friend bribes her daughter with robux dude he's got so much robux in his like chest thing under his desk <laughs> and that like that's all he wants for christmas he's like what do you want for christmas dude and he's like just probably robux or Ro- roblux or whatever the freak they're called and I was something like, along those lines, yeah. It's crazy. I was, I was like that because uh, he uh, had me adding some of his like money into his account for him when uh, when Justin wasn't home the, the other day. We were talking about it because <laughs> he wanted to get something off of there. But there are so many stupid, annoying, dumb games on Roblox, dude. Like, most of what he plays is mindless, idiotic stuff. Like, I was watching him the other day play this game that's like a laundromat simulator. And all you do is there's like a conveyor belt, an oval conveyor belt in the middle of the room, and it's got laundry on it. And along the wall, you have a crap ton of machines. And you can, like, you have your own section and you're buying washing machines and upgrading them. And literally, this game, all you do is take... You can carry up to five things at a time, five pieces of clothing. So you pick up your five items, you run to your washer, you put those items in, you run back, you grab more clothes, you run to your washer, you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. When the clothes are done in the washer, you put them in the dryer. When they're done in the dryer, you put them on the stupid uh, desk to get your coins, and that's what you get to upgrade your washer. That's the game. That sounds about as fun as playing a game about unpacking moving boxes. No, see, there's actually a game in unpacking. There's a story told through the items that you're unpacking and the locales that you're unpacking the items in. You learn about the character whose items you're unpacking based on the items that you're inspecting. You learn about what she went to college for because you get to see her diploma. You see when she moves in with her fiancé because you notice that she's living with a guy. You'd see that she moves back into her childhood bedroom after the level with the fiancé so you know shit went south. There's a story in unpacking. There's not a story in Laundromat Simulator. <laughs> Maybe just so deep that you just don't realize it, Brian. Oh, this game is so shallow that I wish I didn't even watch it. Like, it was the most stupidest thing in the world. And I'm not going to lie to you, Robot 64 doesn't look that appealing to me. Not really. It seems like it's a bit of a ripoff of Mario 64 in the sense that, like, you're, collect- you're collecting ice cream instead of stars. But, uh, yeah. But, I mean, there's only so much you can do in Roblox. Exactly. So. Uh, the music, though, not bad. 
It was done by uh, by by uh, Z Kevin. Z Kevin. Yeah, Z Kevin. Good on you, Z Kevin. Apparently, he's done quite a bit in Roblox. Like he's a, a, I don't know that he's a major or main developer for Roblox, but he's released several things within Roblox, not just Robot 64. I'm gonna have to ask Justin's son if he's ever played this game. Probably not. He plays stupid stuff. This does not look like something that he would enjoy. <laughs> this is too highbrow. <laughs> Your last track, I know you have a decent amount of experience with, so uh, tell me about Jump Force. Yeah, Jump Force was that uh, great crossover fighting game with characters from just about every anime. Um, wasn't a fun game. Not, not as fun as Dragon Ball Fighter Z to me, but uh, I, I did like, you know, being able to fight, you know, Luffy and Goku together. There is a guy in my training class. Shout out to him if he's listening. I don't want to, you know, listen, name his name on air. Um, he might start doing stuff with us in the future. He's, he does stuff on, on his own. But um, there is a guy in my training class that I'm in right now that is also into gaming and has been streaming uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. <laughs> Still plays it's a good like, game. all the time. It's, it's a good game. I, I told you, it's one of my favorite fighters. Yeah, you did say you've said that before. But I remember you being very excited for Jump Force. I was like, super ultra hyper excited for it. Do you do you remember you you were with me the live stream when this was announced? Oh, I, I think I had like tears coming out of my eyes. I was so happy. Um, yeah, you were you were pretty excited. But it, it just it failed. It, it, it didn't hit the mark. It was not as great as I was expecting it to be. When you when you have like essentially the Super Smash Brothers version. Uh, of anime is, is, is what you're thinking or even like a Street Fighter versus kind of game where everyone's coming together it just yeah I'm looking didn't... at the um, I've never physically looked at the entire playable roster now this is the roster including all DLC this is a hefty list and this is a ton of animes that are represented that's another thing. I'm I'm big in anime, but I don't know all these animes. Like I, I, I you can't follow them all. I mean, I don't have, I don't know all. You these. have to have a life. So you have representation from Black Clover, which I'm not familiar with. Bleach, which I am. Uh, Boruto, Naruto Next Generations, which I'm familiar with. City Hunter, which I'm not. Dragon Ball, which I am. Dragon Quest, which I am, which is really cool. Uh, oh, uh, I didn't know Kinshiro from Fist of the North Star was in the game. That's dope. Oh yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Hunter Cross Hunter, which I am familiar with. Maybe I actually am familiar with most of these. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure I'm familiar with. My Hero Academia I'm familiar with. Naruto I'm familiar with. One Piece I'm familiar with. Uh, this one I'm not. Rorono Kenshin, that one I don't know. I've never heard of Saint, it. Yeah, Saint Saya I know. Yu-Gi-Oh I know. Yu Yu Hakushu I knew. Or I know, not I knew. I said I knew because of Yu Yu. <laughs> and uh, it says Death Note has non-playable characters? What's that about? Uh, yeah, Ryuk is in there. I... I, I... I, I don't know if he's a boss or if he's like a like a background character, but he's definitely in the game. Um, I I was hoping for like Attack on Titan to show up in there, like things that I really really love. Yeah, but it seems like they went for the um, you know the the Shonen Jump uh, characters, which makes sense. It's by Jump Force. Yes, yes. Sorry, that's what I was trying to think of. I was like, what is that weekly magazine over there? And it, it's Shonen Jump. That's what it's called. Uh, but yeah, that's why it's called Jump Force. <laughs> it, it, it could have been so much better, but it's not It's not a bad game. Not, not by any... It's just not... It didn't do well, critically, obviously. It's sitting at a... Um, uh, looking real quick, the, uh, the PS4 version is 56, Xbox One version 61. So that, that's, actually, that's actually pretty fair. Um, maybe even a little generous. Dragon Ball Fighter Z, like it got it all right, and they should have just taken that and just reskinned it, and they would have had a another great game, but... 
is so is. is this is this lobby a similar way that Dragon Ball does their lobby then? Where yes, you're just kind of yes. like walking around and you can go up to other characters and like challenge them and that kind of stuff? Exactly. Okay, it's, yeah, that, that counts. That's a hub world. That's, yeah, that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally like your, your, your typical hub world where you just, you know, you walk up to them, you go to this little area, that's what they, you know. Yep, that is definitely but, 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 but it was, the episode. But it, but it wasn't the best game. I like this track. It's very... Oh, what's the word I want to use here? I almost want to say casino-like. The, the only weird thing is, and uh, you, you'll see this, Brian, because I sent you the track. It says no sound effects. It's weird hearing this without like all the background noises and stuff that come from being in the hub world. So it's it's cool they actually have that. Um, there's so many like like when you hear the Super Mario Bros. theme, I when I hear it internally in my head, I hear like Mario jumping and then the power ups and stuff. I don't hear the actual track. So, like, that, that, that's how this is to me. It, it was weird for me on a re-listen. I can imagine. And for me, it just sounds normal because I've never heard it. <laughs> you don't have a point of reference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Um, I've got one more block of three left. What before. a block you got. Yeah, Not I got bad. some good stuff in here. We've got We've got some great tracks to listen to. But Frank and I will be back to close this show out. And then Frank has a good closeout pick for us. Let's get to these. We'll be right back. You're listening to Time Twister from Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, specifically Crash 3, released June 30th, 2017, composed by Josh Mansell.
You're listening to DK Isle from Donkey Kong 64, released November 22, 1999, composed by Grant Kirkhope. You're listening to The Media Dimension from Gex Enter the Gecko, released February 24th, 1998, composed by Ted Allen, Kurt Harlan-Larsen, and Jim Hedges. 
in we've got that classic time twister from crash bandicoot 3 warped however this is the version from the crash bandicoot insane trilogy so this is the the redone version not the original version from the game i do like the redone version more which is why i chose that one <laughs> which is crazy because um, this, this is the game i just downloaded because i didn't realize we get this for free on playstation yeah it's part of the uh the PlayStation Plus collection, right? Yeah, I was looking through for more games because I was, you know, I wanted something like Jack and Daxter. Which and I think Bloodborne is also part of and several other great games. <laughs> but but, but kind of recommended I picked it, picked, I played this and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't played this uh, yeah. remaster. And you really, have you played uh, the new one, 4? No. It's a, it's About Time or whatever it was called. Super fun game, dude. And they just did the, uh, the PS5 update for anyone that already had it. Um, I mentioned that I wanted to go back through and play it again with the updates in the DualSense editions. I've, since, no, I've not done that yet, but um, listening to music from Crash 3 makes me want to. I loved the Time Twister mechanic, or the uh, the Time Twister machine, as it was more generally called, but we all just kind of mentioned it as Time Twister. Um, it was this, as, as hub worlds are, and as you mentioned at the start of the show, this glorified level select, basically. But it's this really insane, as you would expect from Crash Bandicoot, time-twisting machine. And it fits so well with the story they were telling in Warped. I just, I loved the mechanic. I thought it was so unique for, you know, these 3D platformers back then. Um, you know, this was a PS2. This was still a PS1 game. And yeah, if you remember, um, you know, most hub worlds back then were, as we already talked about, these like somewhat open, but not really areas that all connected to different areas. And here you have this giant time twisting machine that sends you off to the various areas you go to. I thought it was such a cool, unique idea. Naughty Dog generally is pretty good. I love that. God, do I miss those commercials? Oh, me too. With him in the microphone or the megaphone, like Jimmy yep. Hart style, yelling at people. <laughs> well, we got those commercials back more recently. We have to, re- with... we have to revisit the classics, Brian. Uh, we do need to revisit the classics, but we had those commercials back with the release of Crash 4, like just a couple years ago. They've really? really doing those commercials I, I, on TV. I didn't see the commercials. Yeah. I'm going to have to YouTube those later on then. Yeah, there's, there's a couple out there that uh, were released around the same time as uh, the new game that were like throwbacks to the old commercials. So definitely worth researching. But yeah, had to have Time Twister in this episode because it is one of my favorite upgrades. I also had to include another Grant Kirkhope soundtrack. Or Shocker, this wasn't picked already. Piece of, piece of music. Yeah, I was glad it wasn't. So we haven't played a ton, I want to say, of music from Donkey Kong 64. I'm verifying through our spreadsheet that I'm not mistaken with how many tracks yeah we've only picked before today five so there's like 60 or 70 on the soundtrack to donkey kong 64 it is the least represented of the donkey kong games that we've picked from which is kind of surprising because i love donkey kong 64 it is Me too. in fact i, I just look at, looking at the list i can tell you the track that i picked <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's coconut gun will fire at yeah <laughs> of course it was yeah the dk rap you would not pick anything else but i spent so much time with donkey kong 64 this i feel is the ultimate collectathon on the nintendo 64 
It has the most amount of content, the most stuff to collect, the most areas to explore, at least from my memory, and it felt like the biggest experience out of all of the classic Nintendo platformers on the N64. I was in love with DK64 back in the day. It's probably one of the best N64 games of all time. I think it's worthy of being on the list of one of the best N64 games of all time. I wish that we would get another Donkey Kong game in this style. I don't know that we ever will. Now that, you know, Retro has kind of perfected the formula that they did with, um, you know, Donkey Kong Country Returns and then Tropical Freeze, which was a huge hit. If they do Donkey Kong again, it's probably going to be in that style. But my God, would I love another platforming Donkey Kong game. I wouldn't even mind a Donkey Kong RPG. Just something different. You know, they are willing to take risks. Like I talked to Blake, well, not, not I, we mentioned it a few weeks ago. They are taking risks with Kirby next year in the Forgotten Lands or whatever it's called. So there's potential. Who would have ever thought we'd have a 3D platforming open world Kirby game? And we're getting it. So maybe we will get a sequel to Donkey Kong 60. Not a sequel, but a new platforming. S- successor. Collectathon. Because I want a good non-Nintendo. Well, I was going to say non-Nintendo, but it doesn't necessarily have to be non-Nintendo. I just want a non-Mario collectathon from Nintendo. Because the only collectathons they've been doing lately have been Mario-related. Mario Odyssey was a great collectathon, though. God, I love that game. That needs another... That needs a sequel to come out soon. It will. It'll have... Look at Mr. Cool Guy playing Halo Infinite on Steam. Or or the prequel, Super Mario Iliad. Super Mario Iliad. Is that the one that has Odysseus in it? Yeah. I know for a fact that they're working on Odyssey 2. They have to be. But I feel like Odyssey 1 just had too many dang power moves. Like, you don't need 999. You also don't need 999 Korok seeds. So, that's just too many. I like to collect. I like to collect. But I don't need 999 of what I'm collecting. That's too much. Give me a hundred jiggies. Give me a hundred puzzle pieces to find. Give me a hundred feathers. Give me a hundred Korok seeds. Give me a hundred, uh, uh, what what else did we say? Uh, power moons. You know, give me that, but not a thousand. (laughs) Not a thousand. My last track, and the one that we just heard before we came back in, is from another one of my favorite collectathons, one of my favorite platformers. And if you notice, they're all from the same time period. The majority of these tracks are from the same time period on this episode today. We had to show some love to Gex, the franchise. And I went with the original game, Enter the Gecko. And we have the media dimension here, which if you remember, as soon as the game starts, Gex gets sucked into the TV, into this media dimension world, which exists as the hub. And then you jump through the individual TVs to get to the levels, much like the paintings in in Peach's Castle in Mario 64. This game was modeled after Mario, but it takes so many comical and humorous views from pop culture, from movies at the time, from TV shows. I mean, this is James Bond right here, the entire music. So... There's just so many things to collect. There was the remotes, the carrots. Remotes, uh, the carrots, the... There were, weren't there screens? The, the TV screens? TV screens. Um, they had something special, in my opinion, with Gex. I don't know why... It just all of a sudden stopped. I mean, I do. The sales were declining and they didn't want to take a risk on it. But I feel like now 
with the like resurgence of games that we have now with all of these great platformers out there you know every genre generally is thriving right now i think gex if they were to find a studio that could you know produce a good gex game and it has to be a gex game it can't just be gex it has to be the humor it has to be the character it has to be the comic style that it had right like it has to be somewhat current so yeah, we want a new we want a new gex game not a new game starring gex exactly i think that they with the you know with the modern game development times as they as they push for graphical supremacy and these powerhouse looking games the amount of years it takes could hurt a game like gex that tries to be current with pop culture and references but if they find the right studio that could crank something out that, say, looked like ukulele, you know, because that's a good style for Gex. And that can't, that's I, not, I, that's not I AAA. Him to, I would love him to lampoon, like, all the big pop culture things we have nowadays, like Game of Thrones or uh, Game of Thrones. I mean, there's more than just Game of Thrones. There's Harry, uh, Harry Potter. Squid Games, they could, they, I Ooh. mean, <laughs> Gecko Games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harry Potter would be would be good because it's kind of exploded after Gex originally came out. So they could theoretically kind of touch on anything over the last 20 years, more or less, right? But I would want them to try to even keep it more recent. So I don't know, man, but I loved the original Gex trilogy on PlayStation. My friend Brandon, two weeks in a row that we talked about uh, from my childhood. Um, Brandon, come back. Yep, I don't know how he's doing, but hopefully he's doing well. Uh, Him and I used to play Gex together all the time, dude. It was one of the games that in Madden. It was Gex on the PlayStation and Madden on the N64. That's what we did. That's what we did. But Gex was, dude, it was special. It was special. Gex was a cool game. And I I, I love how most of the music, it's not just this track. Most of the music is parodies, too. Oh, man. But that's not our final piece of music on the episode. We do have a closeout track, as we always do. And the closeout track, as it typically does, comes from Frank. And Frank, you have brought a track from Guild Wars 2. This is part of the Super Adventure Box content that was released. It was initially done as an April Fool's joke back in 2013. But it was so well received, it stuck around. And it has a pretty catchy hub world theme, and it's very 8-bit. Which is my aesthetic to a T. Yeah, I mean, when they when they released the trailer for this, it, it it's very much, <laughs> it looks nothing like Guild Wars. It looks nothing like Guild Wars 2, right? Like, that was yeah. the, the joke. That was why it was funny. It was a April Fool's joke. But much like April Fool's jokes turn into real things like, look at World of Warcraft. The Pandaren were an April Fool's joke one yes. year. And then they were a playable race a couple years later. Like, sometimes that just happens. And I'm still waiting for that Wind Waker looking like uh, Breath of the Wild remake. Wind Waker Breath of the Wild remake? Or was it like Wind Waker in the style of Twilight Princess? It was something along those lines. Was it was another April Fool's joke? Oh, like, was that Nintendo Power's April Fool's joke you're talking yeah. about? Dude, that's going back. <laughs> I, I didn't know what you were talking about at first, but yeah, I do. I do. Most people I, don't. I do think I remember that from that particular episode, or not episode, issue. edition. Issue. Edition works too, though, of Nintendo Power. Um, I love this beat, dude, that we're closing out with. 
It is simplistic, but it's very catchy, and it's really beautiful. It's beautiful for how simple it actually is. I love it. I, I want that to be on my uh, my tombstone. Beautiful for how simple he was. <laughs> Just got away with words. But it's a good closeout track. Make sure you stick around. It's only two minutes long. Uh, it's a great piece of music, again, from Guild Wars 2. That is Frank's final pick of the episode. But Frank, as it approaches 1.30 a.m., it is late. What say we get on out of here? Do you have anything else to say before we do? Brian, I think we said it all. All right. Well, that is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Media, made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you like video game music, and more importantly, you like us, and you want to help grow this show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to our brand new Patreon, where we need your support now more than ever. It's tough to get through a script when you're tired and your eyes are closing. While you're browsing the description box, make sure you click that link to join our Discord community. Taking us out of this episode, we're going to be taking a listen to World Hub. That's what it's called. I almost said Hub World, but it's World Hub from Guild Wars 2. Again, this is the Super Adventure Box expansion content released sometime around April Fool's 2013. Composed by, and I'm assuming it's one of these. These are just the composers on Guild Wars 2. Jeremy Soule, McLean Dimer. Lena Rain and Stan Lepard. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.